0: You're listening to the INSEAD Alumni Global Women in Business Club podcast. This is Liana Slater of Monumental Me. Today, we're excited to welcome Dr. Paige Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of Becoming Anti-Fragile, Learning to Thrive Through Disruption, Challenge, and Change. She brings a wealth of experience and research that she has working to help individuals, teams, and organizations to move beyond resilience to what she
1: calls striving. Thanks for joining us. As we become anti-fragile, we don't just withstand or bounce back, we actually improve. We actually are in some way better through this experience of challenge or change or uncertainty than we were before we experienced it.
0: Welcome. I'm so happy to speak with you, Dr. Paige Williams. You are a well-being and leadership expert and um, author of Becoming Anti-Fragile, Learning to Thrive Through Disruption, Challenge and Change. And you are also an honorary fellow of the Centre for Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne and an associate at Melbourne Business School. So thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit more.
1: Please kick it off. Thanks so much, Leona. It's um... Great to be with you. I'm an honorary fellow of the centre. We've just recently renamed, actually, the Centre for Wellbeing Science at the University of Melbourne. And also, yes, I'm an associate of Melbourne Business School. And what I spend most of my time doing, though, is working with CEOs and senior leadership teams and helping them understand how they can lead better, particularly through this really complex, disruptive and uncertain environment that we're all facing in all aspects of our lives right now. And so, yeah, that's where I spend most of my professional time. And then in my personal time, I have two teenage girls. And so that keeps me on my toes as well. There's certainly quite a lot of disruption and uncertainty going on in our household Mm -hmm. at times too.
0: (laughs) I am sure. I'm the mother of two teenage boys, so I get to see the flip side of that perhaps. Yes. The 14 and 16 year olds. So we could probably trade a lot of notes um, there and, and teach each other. Absolutely. My girls but that's are, for another podcast. My
1: girls are the same age, so I'm sure we could.
0: Oh, perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, that'll be part two coming uh, yeah. in
1: several weeks.
0: <laughs> well, great. Even the fact that the name of the group that you work with has changed to Wellbeing Science, that's so exciting just even to hear that. And I know that the science of wellbeing has become much more mainstream just in the past. 25 years since I was an undergrad and I studied psychology and then I then I went into business. But I'm just so excited about what's coming out of, of science around well-being and in corporations and organizations and really valuing people. But this is it, indeed a time of significant uncertainty and change. And really, top of mind is those past 12 months of the coronavirus pandemic and it's ongoing. And it's impacting and causing major shifts in people's work, in their careers, and family management finances, and not even to mention kind of the natural disasters and politics that have been kind of plaguing us. So it's a tough time for people. I don't mean to be too negative and, and dwell on that. But I reached out to you as I'm building community and sharing practical tools for women to return to and really thrive in what is really coined the the new normal, where we're going to land as we come out of this pandemic on a personal and professional level. And I'm really excited that you agreed to speak with us to really discuss how your work, you do a lot of work with corporations and leaders, but how it can also be applied to individuals um, and to self-leadership when thinking about coming out of all of this stronger than before. So that's kind of a lot, but I'm really excited to hear about your approach towards helping individuals thrive during, during this difficult time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so when I wrote the book, Liana, I certainly had in mind leadership. And, and I use the term leadering in the book because I personally believe that leadership is too passive a word uh, for what it actually involves when, when we're on the ground doing the stuff of leaders. And also, this idea of leadering is, is what we do every day, whether that's how we lead ourselves, how we lead our family, we were just talking about our children, whether it's how we help our friends and support our friends or colleagues to show up as their best selves. You know, this is actually the work of leadership. It's relationally based. It's about helping ourselves and others at at this specific time, you know, come through these uncertain and challenging times as best we can. And so very much the the whole idea around becoming anti-fragile, whilst it has definitely a leadership lens to it, and that's where I spend a lot of my kind of professional time, the book really was written with everyone in mind because, Mm. you know, leadering happens. (laughs) We do it every day just in the way that we show up. We choose to show up with ourselves and for ourselves And so really I wrote Becoming Antifragile to give everyone more of an idea about how they could be what I call choiceful, full of choice and intention Mm. around how they do that and particularly how they can do that given um, our context right now, both professionally and personally.
0: So really kind of handing that kind of power back to the individual, it sounds like. If people have choice, they can find kind of calm, maybe, with with all of this change and disruption.
1: Am I thinking about that the the right way? It is. and, And really what we need to do to have choice is to have kind of consciousness and awareness of what the choices are. Consciousness and awareness of how, at times, we might be not helping ourselves. We might be, how I frame it in the book is keeping ourselves fragile or making ourselves fragile. And we need a a conscious awareness of that first so that we can do the work to remove that. And awareness is the first piece of making different choices around how we might want to show up for ourselves or others. And that's the first step towards becoming anti-fragile is really to understand, well, how are we keeping or making ourselves fragile in order to then move beyond that?
0: So, how do you even start that process as an individual? What kind of questions would you ask yourself that go a little bit deeper?
1: Yeah. So, I think it's it, before we kind of dive into to there. Perhaps it's worth me just out, outlining. You know, what does even antifragile mean, and and Perfect. what's the yes. difference between being fragile and, and anti-fragile? What are the the steps or stages that we might go through? So. The word anti-fragile actually came originally from an author called Nassim Nicholas Taleb who writes in kind of the political and socio-economic space. And he um, coined the term in relation to economic systems. So how is it that some economies, when we go through economic turmoil, actually some organizations and economies come out of that turmoil better. They perform even stronger in the midst of chaos. And I came across it in relation to human systems in a book by Mark Manson. And he suggested that actually in every moment, we have a choice to either move towards fragility or move towards this idea of anti-fragility, where actually we, we move forward with this idea of being better and being stronger. And it was just one point that he touched on in the book. But it absolutely lit me up. And I was really intrigued by it, did some more research and began to think about it in a much larger scale than perhaps Manson did in his book around well, what could it mean for individuals, for leaders, for teams, for organizations, for systems? For us to move beyond resilience. And this is where I guess the connection back into my wellbeing science background comes in is for years, for about 15 years, I've been teaching resilience to, to school teachers, to leaders, to organizations, even to university students. And that was kind of held up as this This is what we're aiming for. And yet, actually, over that period of time, I could see that resilience really wasn't enough. Even before we had COVID and and the other major disruptions that we've had in the last 12 to 18 months or so, resilience really wasn't getting us beyond just bouncing back. And so as I explored anti-fragility and began to think about it through this lens of leadership and human systems and with my background in well-being science and neuroscience, it seemed to me that actually, yeah, this is what we've been looking for. We've been looking for what's the other side of the resilience rainbow? Kind of we've been aiming for resilience, but there must be something beyond this. And that's really what anti-fragility is. So we've got this continuum then that we can think about where we might be fragile at one end, where we can't, we don't feel able to cope with what's being asked of us. We feel very fragile that we might break. Then we might move up to kind of the midpoint in the continuum where we might feel resilient, we can bounce back, or we might feel the word I use is robust, where we can withstand what's being asked of us. But there needs to be something beyond that where actually as we become anti-fragile, we don't just withstand or bounce back. We actually improve. We actually are in some way better through this experience of challenge or change or uncertainty than we were before we experienced it. And so this is the the idea of becoming anti-fragile is that actually we improve through this, through the disruption, challenge and change that we experience.
0: I love that. That's what I've been putting a lot of thought into, just coming back from this stronger than before. So that's thriving. Can we think of it like that too, just thinking of concepts of positive psychology? It's not just maintaining a level where you can you know, just get back to where you were before, but really coming out of a difficult period just stronger, as you just said.
1: It's interesting you bring up the idea of thriving, Liana, because I think that, you know, as you very clearly said, you know, positive psychology, it's been around for about 20, 25 years. And I think we were holding up this idea of thriving in the well-being sciences as being, you know, this is, again, this is the pinnacle. This is what we're aiming for. And there was this kind of expectation around thriving that once we got there, it it kind of was this... Peaceful place where everything fell into mm. place, and it all happened so effortlessly and smoothly and yet the research i 've been involved in in the last couple of years shows more and more clearly that actually thriving and struggle often go hand in hand and mm. the way I make this very real for people and i um, you know invite your uh, listeners to do the same thing is just reflect for a moment on some of the achievements or some of the situations that you have been most proud of in your life and i know for me you know some of them are perhaps to do with my daughters or they're to do with significant achievements i've made at work or they've to, they're to do with things that i've achieved perhaps with my physical health but when i go back to those moments of immense pride where i really feel that i've i've made a difference in some way to myself or others when i think about what helped me towards that achievement invariably there has been struggle along the way invariably Mm. those roads to our most proud moments are not smooth they're not kind of six-lane freeways that are very you know newly surfaced and easy to to navigate they have lumps and bumps and ups and downs and actually it's that striving it's that struggle and thriving together that makes us feel that sense of achievement and sense of purpose and meaning at the end. And so this idea that we need to let go of is that thriving is this kind of golden panacea where we're going to be, kind of, I don't know, <laughs> reclining and being fed grapes. That's not what thriving is about, you know. Thriving okay. is very much about striving where we are, you know, there's struggle and thriving going hand in hand. And in fact, that's what we need, human systems are complex, adaptive systems. And we need that kind of positive stress, what's called eustress, to grow and learn and develop. And if we don't have it, then we actually go backwards and we become very stagnant. And that doesn't help us be the best version of ourselves. Hmm. That is really something to
0: think about. I think people get stuck in feeling that things are too hard. Maybe just thinking about COVID and the pandemic or if they've been laid off, just feeling quite helpless. But to go back to that question, what can people really force themselves to focus on when they're in that dark place, but yet they can learn from, from the struggles that they're enduring right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is, you know, as, as we shift our expectations away from expecting thriving to look a particular way, as we let go of those expectations, then the opportunity for us to see thriving, opportunities for thriving in what's in front of us, the reality that's in front of us, those opportunities open up.
0: When we come back, Dr. Williams talks more about her book, Anti Fragile. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at iwib at or you can check out our website at blogs.nciad.edu backslash women in business-global club. You can send us your questions, your feedback, and
1: maybe even some ideas for future content. In my book, Becoming Anti-Fragile, I identify three gaps that I call the fragility gaps. And, and these are the gaps that I see most often keep people fragile. And one of those fragility gaps is the gap between our expectations, so what, how we feel things should be, and the reality that we're experiencing. And so this is where that thriving and struggle piece comes in. If we expect thriving to look a particular way, but our reality is something different, then all of a sudden we're definitely not thriving. But if we can actually change our expectations – and look for, okay, this is the reality in front of me. Maybe there are opportunities to thrive in what I'm experiencing right now because thriving doesn't just look one way. I can thrive as I'm learning. I can thrive as I'm feeling moments of connection. I can thrive as I'm feeling moments of deep purpose. And certainly what we've seen coming out of our COVID experiences is lots of opportunities where people have been able to reach out to others and connect or they have been able to be of service to others. Or, you know, what I'm reading a lot in um, the research that's being done globally is that people are feeling a greater sense of purpose and a greater clarity around what is meaningful to them in their lives, Uh, whether that's because they're spending more time with family, or they're just letting go of some of that peripheral stuff that actually wasn't bringing them much true meaning and purpose in their lives.
0: I think that is a definite silver lining of this past year and the pandemic and just being forced to slow down and stop and pause and think maybe taking out work travel, taking out obligatory socialization, I want to say, you know, feeling like you need to go to parties and such, having more time with your family, but also with yourself. Definitely a silver lining, but wanting to also use that time in the right way. (laughs) And I love what you said about feeling the shoulda. So I had a very wise friend who was helping me through a rough period with some parenting a few years ago. And parents tend to feel guilty about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think I always said, I should have done this. I should have done that. And she was like, stop shoulding all over yourself. Yeah, And I just, I always think about that when, you know, when I get stuck and I'm like, okay stop shooting. But yeah, that just resonated. I know you have done a lot of research around being less fragile, the way of thinking and and your set of principles. Uh, Is there a bit of that you can tell us about just to give us a taste of of your work and and what's in your book?
1: I'd love to. The reason that we need to become anti-fragile is because we're operating in a context that's more uncertain and disruptive. And because of that, we can't really have rules that will guide us because rules require some, some level of constancy and certainty in order for them to work. And so what we need instead are principles. Now, principles give us kind of a rule of thumb. They are guiding principles, but they're flexible enough and agile enough to still be useful as our context and environment changes around us. And so when I was um, thinking about how can I write something that will be useful for people regardless of the flavor of change or challenge or disruption that they're experiencing that will carry them through perhaps different parts of their life, whether that's work or home or family, friends. And so the six robust principles actually help us understand how can I operate most effectively in what I'm facing, whether it's challenges or opportunities through the disruption. So they literally spell out the the acronym of robust I'm not a fan of acronyms, but our brains love them. And so (laughs) I had to let go of my personal preference and go with this because I knew it would be helpful. So the, the R of robust stands for recruit the brain. And what I talk about here is that there are some fundamentals in terms of the way our brains are wired, and we need to stop fighting physiology. And once we understand how the brain is wired, we can understand how to harness the capacity of the brain rather than fighting it. And, you know, one really clear example of that is um, our brains love patterns. And so that's why we find disruption so challenging is because, hang on, the pattern has been broken. And because of that, our brain kind of goes warning, 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 you know, the reality Mm -hmm. we're facing is not in the pattern that we're expecting it to be. And that can put us into fight or flight mode. So one of the things that I found is super useful to do is to use an exercise where we write down in a particular scenario, what is it we can control, what is it we can't control, and what is it we can have influence over. And just by putting that down on paper and actually getting it kind of out of the spaghetti bowl in our heads, we can then focus our energy on the pieces that we can control of the puzzle in front of us. We can let go of the things that we can't control. And actually just by getting that out of our heads and onto a piece of paper, it can make it really clear that actually we were spending a lot of time, effort and energy on the can't controls. When in fact, that was pointless because we can't control those. And so we can Mm. then be, again, intentional and choiceful about where we place our attention and energy around what we can control and then selectively what we can influence because what we need to think about is the return on investment of our emotional and cognitive and physical energy, right? And so just that one exercise can help then get clarity and help our brains feel more in control just by us kind of writing those three things down. So what can I control? What can not I control? What can I influence? So that's the R. Super <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you an example of what we can do for each, but I'll take you through the other, the other five. So the O in robust that would be great. Yep. stands for operate in reality. And we've already mentioned, you know, talk to that in terms of how can I stop resisting the reality in front of me by placing loads of shoulds around what should be happening and actually accept what's happening and then look for the opportunities to thrive through that. So that's the O. The B in robust is for uh, break the negative, build the positive. And so this is about understanding that we need to remove fragil- fragility first. So that's the break the negative before we can then take steps to build the pod- positive. And I know that a strength based focus is something that you have in, in the podcast overall. And certainly that's mm-hmm. one of the ways that we can meet the second half the build the positive of the B. The U in robust stands for use intelligent risk. And this really speaks to the idea of us learning from our experiences. And in the book, I kind of unpack the idea of tinkering. So I don't know if if your listeners may have seen the the movie, the Tinkerbell movies from from Disney, and the idea Mm -hmm. that what we do is we take things and we reuse them if we're a tinker fairy like Tinkerbell is. And so this is what we do with our experiences, right? How is it that we can learn forward and take our experiences and go, okay, what can I learn from this and then tinker with, just change a little bit so that then as I go forward, I've got some learning and there's some value that I'm taking forward from this experience, even if it's been uncomfortable for me. But that's the U. The S is seek collective wisdom. And there's an aspect of this that comes directly from Taleb's work, which is we are always more anti-fragile as a collective than we are individually. And if we think about that in our everyday lives, we are more anti-fragile as we get more perspective on things, as we ask for more ideas. So one of the things that I speak to is seek collective wisdom, you know, bring people into your discussions that have different perspectives and points of view to you so that Mm -hmm. we're not just in an echo chamber. We're not just hearing back, you know, the same views and perspectives that we have ourselves. And then the final T of robust is tackle the infinite game. And what this speaks to is letting go of ego, Ego makes us fragile and letting go of the, you know, how is it I just need to get short term, a short term return or a short term hit on what I'm doing? How is it that actually we can look for the more longer term, more purpose-driven actions, more purpose-driven choices, and actually making a contribution that goes beyond ourselves? So that's the the T and tackling the infinite game.
0: That's great. I love it. Let's tell people where they can find your book. And I think you also have a website and a survey that would be super helpful. Yeah. So
1: Sure. So there's lots of ideas around this and my blog um, on my website, which is drpagewilliams.com. And there's a link to the book there, which is available at all good online retailers, Amazon, etc. And then one thing that I would invite your listeners to do is to take the anti-fragile survey. So alongside the book, I've developed a free survey so that people can get a sense of where are they in terms of their levels of fragility, robustness and anti-fragility, and also how much are they using each of the six robust principles and how is that translating then into them having anti-fragile energy, anti-fragile attitudes, and an anti-fragile mindset. And the survey takes less than 10 minutes and they then get a personalized, you get a personalized report at the end of that. And so you can take the survey at theantifragilesurvey.com.
0: Wonderful. And I will put the URLs into our notes so everybody can also get that information there. Just what resonates now, since I'm all about kind of connection and community is is your point on seeking collective wisdom. Mm. And especially with with women, I I tend to always look through that gender lens from my work with women and supporting women. And just, you know, I think women maybe feel more comfortable with sharing and and community and, and hopefully men will continue to, you know, kind of warm to that a little bit more but but I just I think that's such an important point because not every woman will reach out for help but I just love encouraging that and that women can find so much from kind of peer groups just any kind of community or in professional communities of course so in organizations it's just wonderful if they can support that interactivity and that leads me to my question when you work with organizations are are you seeing organizations encouraging this this anti-fragile approach have you presented this to different organizations and what's the reception been to this whole concept
1: yeah I think what's super interesting Liana is that I started to write this book in the middle of 2019 so before we even knew before the word kind of COVID even existed because there were there were these kind of big dynamics going on uh, system dynamics going on that hadn't quite punched through the surface yet in terms of, you know, economics and social groups and just models of of leadership that really weren't serving us anymore. And so, this idea of anti-fragility predated COVID, but what's happened is as COVID has unfolded, organizations have become super interested in how we can thrive um, through the disruption and uncertainty. Um, And certainly, what i'm what i'm seeing they really like and and are kind of um holding on to is the idea of there being principles because you know mm. there's one thing the last 14 to 18 months have shown us is how much change can happen and how quickly it can happen and so for us to have rules that, that then become obsolete because something has already changed, you know, that's happening so much more quickly now. So, certainly the robust principles um, that organizations are really enjoying, leaders are, are enjoying that, oh, I've got these, these principles that I can come back to, whether I'm having a team meeting or whether I'm having a board meeting or whether I'm um, dealing one-to-one with someone, these principles carry across those different um, contexts. But also if I apply them to myself, then I get an understanding of how I can sustain my energy through this, which is one of the things that I'm seeing most often is that, you know, we're just getting so tired. We're just getting so fatigued Mm. with this ongoing disruption and also maintaining, you know, this, the right attitude to help ourselves and others through it and the right mindset. So by applying the robust principles, that's how we can generate anti-fragile energy, anti-fragile attitudes and an anti-fragile mindset.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time and and sharing this with us. You've just, you really introduced me to some really new concepts or looking at concepts in a very different way. And I encourage all of our listeners to get your book and to read that becoming anti fragile and again we will put your uh, link on our notes and i think just you know to to wrap up i just want to ask you kind of a personal question just thinking about well-being and taking care of yourself the idea of putting the oxygen mask on first mm-hmm. before you can give to your family and your clients and your students and all of that what is kind of the one thing that that you want to share as something that really kind of fills your cup and feeds your soul that you try to do you know at least once or twice a week that keeps you going?
1: <laughs> so I love, 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 love F45. So it's a group kind of fitness class that's a combination of kind of lifting weights and doing lots of cardio-based work. Now, I do that every day. That's 45 minutes of my time. It gets my heart rate up. And, you know, that's, that's my kind of go-to in terms of getting the endorphins flowing and, and feeling really confident to take on the day. And equally, I would say the thing that I've learned most around my own well-being is the value of rest and recovery. So it's kind of the Mm. other side of that coin is that I really am now far more willing to listen to my body and my brain in terms of if I just don't feel I've got the energy, then I give myself permission to stop.
0: That's so important, that permission, that that yeah. internal <laughs> permission. Dr. Paige Williams, it has been an absolute pleasure. And maybe we can have that part two and we'll have a, an episode on teenagers. So. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much, Liana.
0: Stay tuned for our next episode featuring INSEAD MBA alumna Melina Spadone. Thank you for listening. During this time, we're thrilled to see our enthusiastic global INSEAD women in business community growing even closer through sharing knowledge and experiences on this platform. We hope you join us next time as we continue to share stories and insights to inspire, inform, and connect. Music by Patrick Proudy, available on iTunes.